Well, we sure had some wonderful weather this past week, right? It's that time of the year when people are ready for spring, right? When it's great when things move from the darkness of winter to the fresh sounds and smells and colors of spring, how the earth just comes to life. It's really amazing. I'm always amazed at how plants and animals survive over the long winter time. Do you ever think about that? How they just somehow survive after such a long period of time, how they stay dormant and then just pop back into life. Grass is brown, sometimes frozen for months. And then, next thing you know, it's green and lush. Barren plants and trees fill up with leaves. Won't be too much longer. And certain animals I find truly incredible. For example, did you know this? That painted turtles, those cute little adorable turtles, they can burrow into different places like the woods or pastures. They can go into the bottom of a body of water. And they can go the whole winter without coming up for air. They just get a little bit of oxygen from the air through their skin. Black bears, they drop their heartbeats from 40, 50 beats a minute down to 10 beats a minute. They can go 100 days without eating or drinking, and they can give birth while they hibernate. That's a pretty good deal for the mom there, right? You go to sleep, wake up, and your baby's right there. God is amazing. He can create things that go from dormancy to vitality. And that's just only a sample of His greater power. Because you see, He can make things go from death to life. Death to life. God can do this in both the physical realm and the spiritual realm. In our passage today, Jesus makes this remarkable statement. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. What a statement. And we need to understand it fully. Because, yes, Jesus on one hand, uh, we know He's the resurrection. We're celebrating that here this morning. But His claim goes beyond that. And you will be blessed if you fully understand what Jesus is talking about when He says He's the resurrection and the life. If you believe this claim, it will change your life. Jesus' statement is not just about Easter morning, but it is about all time, all of our lives, and for the rest of eternity. So let me invite you to turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. As you turn there, uh, this is one of Jesus' famous I am statements that he gives in the Gospel of John. These I am statements assert something about Jesus. He's the bread of life. He's the, the light of the world and so on. And I think these statements deal with different aspects of Jesus' salvation that we enjoy and just point to His incredible greatness. Now, let me just give a little bit of the setting of our passage. The passage begins with a man who is sick, and his name is Lazarus. He has two sisters, Mary and Martha. The three of them are friends with Jesus. They live in a town called Bethany. It's about two miles away from Jerusalem. The sisters send a message to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. But Jesus tells His disciples 
that this sickness is not going to lead to death, but it's going to lead to the glory of God. Interestingly, so when Jesus hears this news, he just stays put. He doesn't go anywhere. And surely we're going to see why he did that uh, later in the passage, but the disciples must have been wondering, uh, Jesus, why are we staying put here? We, we know you love Lazarus. You can do miracles. Why aren't you going to see him? But Jesus just stays put. Two days later, Jesus decides to go see Lazarus. And he says that Lazarus had simply fallen asleep. And he would go and wake him. The disciples hear this and think, okay, sleep means sleep. Okay, Jesus is going to go wake him up. But Jesus was using the word sleep in a metaphorical way to talk about how Lazarus was temporarily unresponsive, but that Jesus was going to go to him and things were going to change. The disciples, they still aren't tracking with Jesus so far. And so he finally tells them that, that Lazarus had died. And that Jesus was glad that they were not with him when he died because, right, now they're going to believe after Jesus' visit, there's going to be no doubt that he is the resurrection and the life. So let's pick up in verses 17 to 24 and read about Jesus' arrival to Bethany. 17 to 24. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained, Mary remained seated at, in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Mary said, excuse me, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Jesus and the disciples, they arrive. At this point, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. He's clearly dead. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she goes out to him. And tells them, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. She knows that Jesus is powerful. But you know what? She doesn't quite understand his full power, does she? Jesus tells her that Lazarus, Lazarus will, he will rise again. In response, Martha believes that Lazarus will rise again on the last day. A commonly held belief amongst the Jews. A belief that Jesus held too. He says in John 6.40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him on the last day. But here's the key difference. Here's the key difference. It was common for, for the Jews and, for, and others to believe that there would be a resurrection on the last day. But here's where Jesus changes the paradigm. He is going to rise again in the middle of time as part of His ushering in the kingdom of God. So now we come to the I am statement. In verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the resurrection. And he is the life, meaning eternal life. Now, do you understand that when the Bible talks about eternal life, it's not just talking about quantity of life, but it's also talking about 
quality of life, meaning that you know God. He says this in John 17, 3. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, we need to get this, church. This is something very important. Jesus has life in himself. He has life in and of himself. We are alive, but we depend on other people. And we depend on other things in order to remain alive, right? Anybody here alive all by yourself? No, we need other people around us. And we also, we need air, we need water, we need food, we need warmth, right? We need warmth. If it gets below, in my house, 70 degrees, you know, survival becomes a concern. <laughs> Jesus is not only alive, but he has, a, he has life in himself. He not only causes the resurrection, he is the resurrection. He not only gives eternal life, he is eternal life. He has life in himself. Think about this. Jesus created the universe out of nothing. John 1.3 says, All things were made through Him, and without Him not, was not anything made that was made. The reason that He can make life out of nothing is because He has life in Himself. He doesn't draw life. He doesn't need life to, to exist. He just gives it. He gives physical life. He gives spiritual life. Amen? He's the resurrection and the life. And Jesus demonstrates this in three ways. First, Jesus gives new life to our spirits. He gives new life to our spirits. By the power of the message of redemption, the gospel, when people hear this message and they believe it, they have new life in their spirits. They pass from spiritual death to spiritual life. They pass from alienation and judgment to new life with Jesus Christ. He says this in John 5, 24-25, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus is not talking about the end of time here in this passage. He's talking about now. Now, as people hear his message and believe, they come to life. They move from spiritual death to spiritual life. Now, here in this present moment, possibly. You come to life. And in his letter to the churches there, the Apostle John says the same thing. He says, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So the last part of that verse indicates that if we do not have Christ, we do not have eternal life. We're alive physically, but spiritually we are dead. We're dead. We don't seek God. On our own. And we often have false, idolatrous views of God instead of the true God. Either we think that God doesn't exist, 
or we denigrate God by putting things in his place. So we make the earth God, right? Or we make the universe God. Or we even make ourselves God. I mean, what, on the, what, what are we thinking to say we are God? And so we need to have a, a new spirit. That's why Jesus says we must be born again. He says in John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Likewise, Ephesians 2, 1 speaks of how we're dead in our sins and trespasses, and God could have just left us as we are. But praise God, he is a God of mercy, isn't he? And so it says in verses 4 and 5 of Ephesians, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I look at my own life, and I was spiritually dead until, until I was 21 years old. I wasn't a hardened criminal, but I was spiritually dead. I was the Lord of my life, not the one true God. I was dead in my sins. And then Jesus came along, and he made my spirit alive to him. I move from spiritual death to spiritual life, and I have never been the same since then. Has that ever happened to you? It can. We'll talk more about that at the end of the message. So when we say that Jesus is the resurrection and life, He starts with our spirits. He gives new life to our spirits. Praise God for that. There's more. The second way Jesus demonstrates he's the resurrection of the life happens in the future. Jesus is going to give new life to our bodies. He's going to give new life to our bodies. You know, Christians, sometimes we downplay the importance of our bodies. We shouldn't do that. Our bodies are good. God made our bodies. Jesus took on a body. Our bodies are good. But we all know that our bodies are decaying. You know, when we get a little bit older, right? They ain't what they used to be. When I was a kid, I wanted to be taller than my dad. And I wanted to play professional basketball. I achieved one of those goals. I grew to be six foot tall. But some years ago, I went to visit the doctor. And he told me that I was now 5'11 and a half. You laugh, but that hurt. That hurt. That was a big half inch for me. I loved being six foot tall, but no longer. Our bodies are breaking down. And all of us have to face the reality that if each, each of us one day will die. And in fact, here in our passage, Jesus is going to go on to raise Lazarus from the dead. But you know what? Lazarus, he went on to die. But Jesus' resurrection body is different, isn't it? It does not die. He lives forever. And he promises to give resurrection bodies to his people that will be like his resurrection body. Going back to John 5, he says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. 
those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So here Jesus is not just talking about the new spirit he gives to us. He's talking about the new body that he's going to give to us. And you say, when is he going to give that new body to us? He's going to give it to us at the end of time, on the last day. We will rise up. These bodies will be resurrected again. And not only will I be six feet tall, hopefully, (laughs) but I'm going to live forever. And this resurrection body that Jesus has and he has given to his people, you say, what are our bodies going to be like? Scripture doesn't give great descriptions here, but very safe to assume they're going to be very much like our bodies in terms of outward appearance, but there's going to be that one key difference. They're not going to get sick anymore. They're not going to die anymore. They're going to live forever. And that's why we can declare, like 1 Corinthians 15 says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So Jesus gives new life to our spirits and to our bodies. The third way that Jesus demonstrates he's the resurrection and the life is that he gives new life to our world. He gives new life to our world. Jesus is already renewing the world in some measure, and he's using uh, his church. He's renewing humanity. We're new creations ourselves, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the church is Jesus' chosen instrument to pass on this life-giving message to those around us. Amen? So that when other people hear this message, they are brought into this new life in Christ. And God has used the church as the greatest change agent throughout history. Bringing so much positive change. And when Jesus returns, He will renew the creation itself. All of the sin and all of the evil that we constantly are bombarded with on a daily basis will be gone. And Jesus is going to renew this whole creation. As marvelous as it is now, it's going to be even more marvelous, I believe. We get a little bit of a hint of this in Revelation chapter 21. When we see that end of time, it says these words, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. It says in verses 3 and 4, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Church, we need to regain this big view of Jesus. I think one of the greatest deceptions that Satan has pulled is is for people to think, and I think sometimes even in the church, we think Christianity is basically just a bunch of rules so that we can be nice people. Yeah, God wants us to be nice people. No doubt about that. But there is so much more, isn't there? Jesus is playing for the whole ball of wax, isn't He? 
He is the creator of all things. He is recreating all things. And one day He's going to return and complete His task. He is the resurrection and the life. Let me close by going back to our passage. Jesus says in verse 25 and 26, Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Now Jesus' sentence here is a little challenging to interpret, but here's what I think He means. I think in the first half, He's talking about physical life. And in the second half, He's talking about eternal life. So if you're looking at the verse there, I think what Jesus is saying, look, whoever believes in Me, though he physically die, yet shall he physically live. Talking about the resurrection. Then he says, everyone who eternally lives and believes in me shall never eternally die. If you have eternal life, right? You will not face eternal death, which is Jesus' way of saying you're not separated from God. You're not going to face eternal judgment and so forth. Remember how he said in John 5.24 that we pass from death to life when we believe. So because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, He is the resurrection of life. Because of that, if you physically die, you will be physically raised again. And if you have eternal life through Christ, you will never experience eternal eternal death. You have passed from death to life. Finally, Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? This is not just abstract talk about religion this is deeply personal isn't it ask yourself this question do you believe this and she responds with a powerful declaration of faith yes lord i believe that you are the christ the son of god who is coming into the world martha believed do you believe how about you have you personally believed that Jesus indeed is the Christ, the Son of God. That has never happened. Let me invite you to do that today. To turn from your sin and believe in Christ and He will give new life to your spirit and the promise of a new body, a resurrected body, just like His. What a great day to turn to Him to know Him as the resurrection and the life. This past week, I was on a website that shares stories of people who, be, who had become Christians. One guy was a name Colin Melbourne. He was a British veterinarian in his mid-30s. And by outward appearance, this guy had it all together. He says this about himself, the world's my oyster. I'm an English veterinary surgeon able to work wherever and whenever I chose. My first job was for an Arabian king. I have as much money as I want or need, a beautiful girlfriend, a pilot's license, and have achieved all my ambitions so far. Happy? Are you kidding? That's what he said. Well, Colin and his girlfriend were backpacking in New Zealand. They bumped into a Christian family that was just filled with the love of God, despite having just major, ongoing health problems. They made an impact on him. And as he and his girlfriend kept backpacking through New 
New Zealand, they kept bumping into Christians along the way who had a, you know, some kind of a witness for him. And eventually, one person asked him to read the Gospel of John, and Colin kind of reluctantly agreed. Well, several weeks later, he went and got a Bible, and he and his girlfriend started reading the Gospel of John. And you know what? They were captivated. They were captivated. And so he called a local Baptist pastor because he wanted to talk further. So the pastor invited him to come visit, so they did. They joined with the pastor and three others as they were praying. And as they prayed, one of the people said, quote, Colin, do you want Jesus to forgive your sins? Yes. I managed to choke out, eyes still closed. Do you want to ask Him to come into your heart as Savior? Yes. Do you want to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Yes, I replied eagerly. On my third reply of yes, that beautiful presence of love instantly came and filled my heart right to the core of my being. Immediately, I was at peace. Peace beyond description. Colin was baptized the next day. About two years later, he became a self-funded missionary to Asia. You see, that's what Jesus does. He gives new life to our spirits. and One day, he will return and give new life to our bodies. As I said, I invite you today that if that has never become a reality, that today you would become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. After the service, our prayer team will be up at the front. They'd love to talk further with you. I'm available too uh, after service or sometime during the week. Or if this is something you want to go home and get right with God in your own time, I just encourage you to do so. And finally, for Christians, let me remind you that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Do you believe that? That wasn't very convincing to me. Do you believe that? That was a little better. We're to seek and to trust that power. Ephesians 1, 19-20 expresses Paul's prayer that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Paul, did you really mean to write these words? Yes, he did. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to the believer to live out their Christian life. His power is not past history, but present reality. And Jesus can make alive areas that seem dead. Jesus can make alive a dead marriage. He will give you the power to forgive your spouse, to live out the marital roles described in Scripture, and to love your spouse with a new heart. Jesus can renew a dead job. He will give you the power to work with all of your strength to give Him the glory, not yourself. Right? 
and to see your job as a mission field, not a place of drudgery. Jesus can renew an emotionally dead heart. You might be just sitting here today just kind of burnt and raw with the affairs of life and just kind of ready to give up. But the same power that has raised Jesus from the dead can change your heart so that you're no longer filled with anger and bitterness and pride and apathy. Jesus can renew your heart, church. Whatever it is, He can change you. He is the resurrection and the life. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we come into Your presence this morning and we praise You that You are the resurrection and the life. We thank You and praise You that You have life in and of Yourself. We praise You that You give new life to our spirits. I speak for myself grateful that You made me alive to You. And Lord, we're grateful for that promise of eternal life that You have given to us of a resurrected body. Thankful for Your promise of a return one day. God, we pray for You to open hearts and minds today. Of someone who's never understood and said like Martha that she believed, that today they would believe. They'd be captivated by this glorious vision of You and trust You for salvation. And Lord, we as Your church, forgive us for so often walking in defeat and apathy when You have promised the same power to Your church. May we seek and to live in that resurrection power. We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.